Pastor Melvin Newland tells the following story. On the southern border of the empire of Cyrus, there lived a great chieftain named Cagular, who defended the various detachments of Cyrus's army uh, and defeated them and sent them back to Cyrus subdued. Finally, the emperor, amassing his whole army, marched down, surrounded, and overwhelmed Cagular's forces, capturing him and his wife, and brought them to the capital for execution. On the scheduled day for their execution, he and his wife were brought to the judgment chamber. So impressed was Cyrus with Pagular's appearance that he said to him, What would you do should I spare your life? Your majesty, if you spared my life, I'd return to my home and remain your obedient servant as long as I live. What would you do if I spared the life of your wife? Your majesty, if you spared the life of my wife, I would die for you. So moved was the emperor by Cagular's words and attitude that he freed them both and returned Cagular to his homeland to serve as his governor. Upon arriving home, Cagular, uh, like a typical man, uh, reminisced about the trip with his wife. Did you notice the marble at the entrance of the palace? Did you see the tapestry on the walls as they, they went down the corridor to the throne room? And did you see the throne room on which the emperor sat? It must have been carved from a solid piece of gold. And his wife replied, I really don't remember any of that. Well, said Cagular in amazement, what do you remember? His wife looked at him and said, I remember only the face of the man who said he would die for me. Today I want to talk about the man who would die for us, Jesus. But before I do, I want to talk about the us, because that's just as important, the us that Jesus died for. You know, as people, we, um, we're generally known by our successes and our failures most often brought on by our choices, whether good or bad. Decisions have been made uh, through our life, and those decisions have contributed to who we are as people today. Throughout history, people, people have made some really bad decisions. Alexander Graham Bell, for instance, made an appointment with Western Union to sell them on the idea of something called a telephone. Western Union's president um, gave his answer. What use could this company make of an electrical toy? He said no. A banker advised Henry Ford's lawyer not to invest in a new motor car company, saying the horse is here to stay, but the automobile is only a novelty. Would you agree that when those two companies are pretty bad decisions? Today we're going to look at some people in the Bible that made a really bad decision decision that forever changed not only history, but perhaps even the eternal destination uh, of those making those bad decisions. And their decision was to say no to Jesus. Their decision was to say no to Jesus. To say no to Jesus' offer of forgiveness for their sin. To say no to Jesus' offer to become children of God. Our text this morning will find 
that there is more than one way to say no to Jesus. You can be polite. You can be well-meaning. Or you can do it an in-your-face kind of no, as you see on the front of your bulletin. But listen, both had the same end result. Separation from God here on earth and there in heaven. Folks, be assured, there is a great danger in saying no to Jesus no matter how you say it. So open your Bibles to Luke 23. We're back January 5th, first Sunday in 2020. We're back into Luke for a short period. Um, the rest of this chapter and then chapter 24. Been praying a lot over the last few months about uh, where we're going to go next. And uh, my heart was in the book of Hosea. In the Old Testament, God's relentless love for his people. Um, but I've allowed the Spirit to kind of overrule my heart at this time. We're going to stay in the New Testament because I think, I think the, I believe the book of Hebrews is where we need to go. The book of Hebrews is about the glory of Jesus, high and lifted up, greater than anything else. And I think we need to get that picture solidified in our mind if anything in our life is going to change. We need to see Jesus high and lifted up every day, every moment. And it's my prayer that our study through the book of Hebrews will get us there. So, Luke 23, verse 13. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. So our text this morning closes out the day of trials that Jesus had prior to his execution on the cross. What we should have heard was case closed. Release the prisoner should have been what Pilate said, but he chose not to. It's absolutely clear that Pilate found that Jesus was not guilty of any crime. And to make that even more clear to everyone, not just the religious leaders, note that Pilate invited the chief priests and the rulers, and who else did he invite to this meeting, to this hearing? The people. This is really important. You see, Pilate knew that the religious leaders were jealous of Jesus and wanted him dead. Pilate knew that about the trials that were going on that were being held at night, which were illegal in Jewish law, but the religious leaders were doing it because they didn't want the people to know what they were doing. He knew that. Pilate also knew the kind of reception that Jesus got when he came into Jerusalem that first uh, Palm Sunday morning. Pilate knew all that because it was his job to know all that as governor of the region. So Pilate believed if the people were there, they might take Jesus aside. But he'll soon find out that he was wrong. Almost up to the end of, of tw verse 24 or so, 25, you you got to like Pilate in this. You, you want to root for him. 
He's, he seems to be doing the right thing. He seems to be making the right decisions. We know from John's gospel that Pilate and Jesus had a long private conversation. And he was convinced that Jesus was not guilty. He didn't believe in him, but he was convinced that he wasn't guilty of the crime. We know from John's gospel that Pilate's wife had a dream about Jesus telling Pilate not to have anything to do with him, which what that meant was, don't try this case. He's an innocent man. We know from this text that Pilate did not want to convict Jesus, and especially, he didn't want to crucify him. He didn't want to have him executed. And he says it over and over and over again. So what he does here is he says, look, uh, listen, guys, I'll, I'll have him punished. I'll have him roughed up a bit, and, and then I'll release him thinking that that would be enough to placate the crowd and the hate that's there. Pilate seems to have had all the right intentions, to making all the right decisions, doing all the right things. He's not a believer, but he's not a hater. He still rejects Jesus' claim as the Messiah to be God in the flesh, but he's doing it rather politely. Right? Not so with everyone. 17 and 19. But they all cried out together, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in this city and for murder. little sidebar here. If you're using an ESV Bible, um, there is no verse 17 in chapter 23. If you look, there's probably a little number, a little letter, and you go down to the bottom of the page, there's a footnote, and it'll say something like this. Some manuscripts add verse 17. Now he was obliged to release one man to them at the festival. It's believed that this verse 17 was not original to Luke's gospel. However, we know that it is God-breathed because that same phrase is found in all three gosp other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. Perhaps some scribe wanted to show some continuity between all the Gospels and show how important this was, just added it later to some, some uh, not-so-old manuscripts. But it isn't found in all the other three older and, uh, manuscripts. So it's good to go here. So anyway, I mean, I thought that. I'm, I'm, I was doing the outline, and I'm trying to find verse 17 in ESV, and it wasn't there. And I go, why? So it seems that promising to beat Jesus up, to rough him up a bit, didn't work. So once again, Pilate attempts to give the people the chance to do the right thing, to make the right decision, and choose Jesus to be released rather than Barabbas. Now, there's an old movie, perhaps most of you don't remember, but you remember the old movie Barabbas with Anthony Quinn? Yeah, you, you probably do. Jack Palance was in it, Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, all of us who are over 50 probably remember it. Uh, I think it came out it, probably in the late 50s, early 60s, maybe. Um, and it, it's a wonderful story about how Bar you know, Barabbas was pardoned and he was let go because Jesus took his place and his girlfriend was a believer and was trying to you know, teach him about Jesus and all these things, but he wouldn't have anything of it. And then he ended up, you know, Nero was burning Rome and... and, and, and Barabbas was in the catacombs, and he, he comes up, and he thinks, you know, that 
that this is, the, this is what the Christians were doing because Nero blamed him, so he started doing it. But by the end of the movie, um, he places his faith in Jesus. That's a really nice story, isn't it? I mean, it's all fiction, <laughs> perhaps. Um, you see, the, we don't know. The, the only thing that we have, the only thing that we know about Barabbas is what we read in our text. And it doesn't say anything about what happened after that moment. I hope he did. After hearing what Jesus had done and after he had risen from the dead, I, I hope that Barabbas had seen the great grace that was offered him. So we don't know much about Barabbas, but what we do know is he was a pretty bad guy. Um, he was found guilty of insurrection. That's starting riots in the streets. He was found guilty of murder, and in John's gospel, we found that he was a thief, a, a robber as well, and found guilty of that. But while we don't know much about him, Barabbas is an important part of the gospel story, particularly here in Luke. So let's look at some of the parallels to each one of us today that we get from Barabbas and this whole situation with Jesus and Pilate. Um, and I think we'll see a little bit more about the one who died for us. First thing, Barabbas deserved to die. Barabbas deserved to die. He was guilty of all the charges against him. In Romans 3.23, we read, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. Our sin against God may not be as grievous as Barabbas' sin was, but it's sin nonetheless. And all sin... Any sin deserves God's judgment and eternal death. We all deserve to die. We sin, we die. We sin, we die. Second, Barabbas did nothing to deserve his pardon. He wasn't released on good behavior. He didn't make any promises to be better after he was released. All he did was accept the pardon. That's it. In Romans 6.23, we read the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in John 1.12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen, we too, I've, I've said this hundreds of times, there are no hoops that we need to jump through. Um, or any promises that we can't keep in order to be forgiven by God. We do nothing to deserve his pardon, his forgiveness. Third, Jesus died in Barabbas' place. Yes, this was literally true for Barabbas, and it can be spiritually true for all of us. In Mark 10, 45, read, for even the Son of Man, Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many, as a ransom to pay the price to get us back, to take our place to get us back. God cho shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took our place. We're all guilty before God of our sin. But Jesus takes upon himself our sin, and takes our punishment. And fourth, Jesus' death resulted in Barabbas' freedom. 
Barabbas was released free from any and all punishment for his crimes. No community service, none of that stuff. Free and cleared, all his charges were dropped. In John 8.36, we read, So if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you're free indeed. No obligations, no bonds, no community service, none of that stuff. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. That therefore now is today and forever. It's an ongoing tense. It's, it happens today, the day you're saved, and forever. There is no condemnation, no judgment. When Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. When we place our faith in Jesus' death on the cross to forgive our sin, Jesus frees us from the punishment of that sin. We may not know a lot about Barabbas, but his entrance into Scripture here reveals much about us and our relationship with God through faith in Jesus. I hope you see the connection. Well, let's take a look at the end. Pilate addressed them once more. He's really trying hard. He really is. He, he wants to get Jesus off here. Desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt-deserving death. Therefore, I look, I'll punish and release him. He says it again. I'll rough him up a little and release him. But they were urgent. This, this idea of being urgent. Again, they're, they're hearing, he's hearing this mostly from the crowd. Certainly it was the religious leaders and the elders, the chief priests, but mostly from the crowd. And this urgency, a lot of commentators and scholars say it was because the religious leaders and the chief were pushing, were pushing. You know, there was a crowd of people, and the, the religious leaders and the elders were probably walking around in the crowd, kind of whispering things in, Je in the people's ear about Jesus that were not true. Trying to stir them up. Kind of like what the media does today. Either side. To stir us up to be angry to cause dissension. And that's that urgency that they were urgent. There was this pressure being placed in them that this has to be done now in this way. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. Not just tried and found guilty and, and be put in jail forever, but executed. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided, there's that bad decision now. Their demands should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, that was Barabbas, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over, listen to this, to their will. Their will. You see the two kinds of rejection here? First, Pilate's still trying to set Jesus free. He doesn't believe Jesus is who he says he is, but he's being nice about it, he's being polite. The religious leaders and now even the people they don't want Jesus placed in jail. They, they want him brutally executed. Crucify him, crucify him, they kept shouting. That's the no, in your face, no, total and utter rejection. But remember, both are saying no to Jesus. And the end results are always the same when you say no to Jesus. Pilate asked the crowd, what evil has he done? I found no guilty deserving, no guilt deserving death, therefore I'll punish and release him. The crowd again continues to shout, crucify him, crucify him. 
And, and here's a little more information that we get that is vitally important. John chapter 19 is writing about this exact same thing. And this is what it says. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. So the crowd is, uh, the Passover is like the next day or two days away, next day. And this is like a holy time for the Jews. And you hear what they're saying? The religious leaders saying, kill him, kill him, execute him. Hate on a day that's one of the most holy days. So it was about the, it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, behold your king. And they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. Did we hear this before somewhere in Israel's history? Where was it? Anybody remember? Who was in Saul, remember? With Samuel? God was their king. They had a theocracy. God was their king. God was ruling and leading and guiding and directing. But they wanted a king. Israel had a king like all the other nations did. And, and Samuel was, heart, was angry and heartbroken over it because they brought um, Saul up. We want a king. And God gave them what they wanted. They were rejecting Jesus' kingship and replaced him with a human king. Just as their forefathers had rejected God's kingship over them and demanded a human king. They were saying no to Jesus, no to God, no to God's rule over them, and no to God's kingdom. All of those things, the basis of, of their Jewish faith and nationality, they were rejecting all of that. You see how significant this is. Their sin was indeed deep. And Pilate finally gives in to their hate for Jesus. He releases Barabbas and sends Jesus to be crucified. Pilate allowed the voice of the people to drown out God's voice. He was more afraid of the people than he was of God. Think about that. He allowed the voice of the people to drown out God's voice in his, in his mind. He was more afraid of what the people would do than what God would do. Have, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever done that? I hope you're honest and say yes. You allow the people, the voices of the world around you to, to, to cause you to choose to make a bad choice that you know isn't right, that isn't godly, that isn't going to be honoring to God because you fear whatever it is they might do to you. They won't be your friend. They're going to whatever, make fun of you. And you're, you don't fear God. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. That one single bad decision forever changed Pilate's life. We're, we're told from history that Pilate was called back to Rome and was um, disgraced and dismissed from his position, and that later, a few years later, um, scholars tell us that uh, he killed himself. He took his own life. Doesn't get any better for, um, for the Jews, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Pilate almost did the right thing, didn't he? He had many, many chances. Any one of those moments when he says, I find no guilt in him, he's released. 
time and time again, he almost did the right thing. He almost made the right decision. But friends, listen, almost is never enough when it comes to your eternal destination. Almost is just not enough. And the Jewish people, listen, it wasn't better for them. 30 years, roughly a little less than 30 years after this moment that's going on in our text, the Jews revolted against Rome. Hundreds of thousands of Jewish people were killed. The temple was destroyed and the city was demolished and the, uh, those Jews who remained were scattered throughout the Roman Empire. Listen closely. Whether you politely reject Jesus or you raise an angry fist rejecting Jesus, saying no to Jesus always results in judgment, always results in condemnation, always results in hell. That's always, always. poet once wrote, of all the words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these. It might have been. And if that's true, then the most tragic word perhaps in the English language is almost. Almost speaks of opportunities never accomplished or fulfilled. It speaks of missed chances. Don't be like Pilate, who was almost a Christian by politely rejecting Jesus. Listen, there is no almost with God. You're either saved by his grace or you're not. You're e you either say yes to Jesus' offer of forgiveness and are forever saved, or you say no to Jesus' offer of forgiveness and forever you're lost. We saw in our text that Jesus did in fact die for Barabbas. He took his place on the cross. Barabbas should have died. He was guilty. He should have been crucified. But he wasn't. Jesus, who was not guilty, took Barabbas' place on the cross. The only thing we know for sure is that Jesus did that physically, literally, for Barabbas. But for all those who do receive him, who do believe in his name, Jesus died for them. He takes their place. In John 20, 27, um, Jesus is in the upper room after uh, his ascension. Uh, Pilate, or um, uh, Thomas wasn't there the first time, but he's here now. And Jesus goes up to Thomas and, and he says this. Stop doubting and believe. Stop saying no and say yes. Friends, listen, if you already haven't done so, stop saying no to Jesus and start saying yes. Listen, I understand the ladies from our women's walk group are committing to saying, yes, Lord, in 2020. What a wonderful thing to do. Will you join them? Let's pray. Lord, I know one of the reasons we don't say yes to your offer of forgiveness is because we're afraid about what's going to happen next. Do I have to give up? What do I got to stop doing? What do I got to start doing? 
I like my life the way it is. I don't want to change things. <laughs> and, and besides, I'm not a bad, bad guy. I come to church once in a while. I'm not a bad woman. I, I, <coughs> <coughs> I donate things to the church and, and help out where I can. And just politely say no. I doubt there's anyone here this morning who is raising a fist or a hand and saying, no way, no Jesus, or you wouldn't be here. That, that first step is the most important. And, and God, we know that if we were to ask anybody here who has already made that first step, each one of us would say, yes, there were things that had to change in my life. Yes, there were things that I had to do that I wasn't doing and things that I, weren't, I was doing I had to stop doing. And, but I, I, I wouldn't change any of that for what I've received in my life in Christ. Saying yes to Jesus was worth it in every single way. that if there's anyone here this morning who has not said yes to your offer of forgiveness, that they, <coughs> through the edging on of your Holy Spirit, through the, the, the work of your Spirit in their life, <coughs> that they would say yes today. <coughs> and I pray for those who already have said yes. Glorious day when we said yes to Jesus into our lives, that those times of doubt, those times of struggle, that we would continue to say yes. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, yes. Give us strength to say yes. 